What's up, coaches? Hopefully you guys have really enjoyed our giveaway so far. Um, don't forget to go look at it today on our Twitter page. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Skycoach. Skycoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium and any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. We use their butt shot and their wide shot during the game at Broken Arrow, and it's second to none. It always works, it always gets to us really quickly, and it definitely gives us an advantage over somebody that doesn't have the butt shot. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Skycoach, the market leader in sideline replay. You can visit Skycoach on their website, myskycoach.com, to learn even more. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of players and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to the offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. What I like the best about them is this. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit sidelinepower.com or you can email them at info at sidelinepower.com or call at 800-496-4290 to learn more about Sideline Power. Our other powerful sponsor is Powerlift. This episode is brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their awesome name. We also use Powerlift at Broken Arrow and Ankeny to design both of our high school facilities. Uh, They not only have a great product, they're also a bunch of good dudes. They actually care about football. They care about your program. They care about your off-season. They want you to do better. They're not just trying to push a bunch of products on you. They want to help you be the best coach that you possibly can and help your strength program to be the best it possibly can. Uh, Powerlift was trusted with the designing of the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and modern-day high school's weight facility. And that's just here in the, in the last few years. They've designed a lot of, of college and high school facilities around the nation. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, and always made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at powerlift.com. And last but never least, this episode is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. I use Team Attack Academy for my offensive line, and Coach Walls uses Team Attack Academy with his whole uh, team, his whole high school football team. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced in the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents guaranteed. Visit Team Attack Academy at teamattackacademy.com. And that is all for the reads. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with Cody Ellett. Coach Ellett is the head strength coach over at my high school, Broken Arrow. 
in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Prior to Broken Arrow, Coach Ellett worked at the University of Tulsa, University of Louisiana Lafayette, and North Dakota State University. Listen as we talk with Coach Ellett about his experiences working in collegiate weight rooms, having the opportunity to build the strength and conditioning program at his alma mater, Broken Arrow, and his theories and training and recovery for his athletes. More specifically, having strength in your strength program. You can follow Coach Ellett on Twitter, at BA Strength. Hope you guys enjoy. Right, here with Coach Ellett. Coach Ellett's the strength coach here at uh, at Broken Arrow, where Coach Walls was at and, and where I'm at now. And so, uh, Coach, kind of let you, you know, kind of tell your backstory. I know you've been through the college ranks now, obviously, at, at high school and someone that we're really excited to get on because we haven't had any strength coaches on yet. And we're excited to, you know, talk that part of the of the game, which is so important and, and what, what it's growing now uh, at the high school level. I know when I was going through high school, obviously there were no, especially in Oklahoma, uh, dedicated strength coaches. So um, we're excited for that. But you, if you could just give us a little bit of background, give our listeners a little bit of background about, you know, what uh, your, what, where you went, where you came from, from your playing days. I know at Broken Arrow, and then uh, as you got into becoming a strength coach. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you guys both so much for having me on, man. It's it's really an honor. Um, well, yeah, as you said, I graduated from Broken Arrow, um, really coming up through the ranks. Uh, you know, I was a Broken Arrower for life. Uh, my father was and still is the athletic director of Broken Arrow, which is, I mean, I don't know, something we might talk about later, but it's, you know, it's something really special for me. But anyway, I uh, graduated from Broken Arrow, uh, went to play ball at uh, University of Central Oklahoma, um, Division Two school in Oklahoma, actually played offensive line like Coach Harper. And... Um, from there, first couple of gigs in strength conditioning or at the collegiate level, uh, a volunteer internship at North Dakota State University, uh, very brief, and then a, another brief internship with Louisiana Lafayette, uh, graduate assistantship with the University of Tulsa, which was uh, a couple of years, and then coming out of that graduate assistantship, um, I got hired on at Broken Arrow High School uh, right in time for the going into the 2014 offseason. Um, so I guess Coach Walls is first first season as the offensive coordinator at Broken Arrow. So time worked out, uh, got to get some tremendous experience under some unbelievable strength coaches at the college level. And then he fell into place, got to come back home, come back to, you know, my alma mater and, and, and get back in, uh, get back into the, the high school ranks at Broken Arrow. Talk about some of the guys you worked for. Cause obviously, you know, I, I knew a couple of them, the guys at, at Tulsa, Jordan Johnson was a guy you'd worked with who's over at Jenks. And he's another one of my good buddies. And then Rourke Cutchlow, who, uh, again, now he's at uh, Missouri, another awesome dude. Talk about what it was like learning from some of those guys. And then, you know, maybe some of the guys you, you had the chance to, to hit it off with up there at North Coast State. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I only had – I probably had about three years of collegiate experience between my playing days and getting hired at Broken Arrow. And, like, I mean, you could not ask for a better three years of – uh, of mentoring from what I got. I mean, first, right off the bat, going to work for Jim Kramer at North Dakota State University, who is, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to use your word brilliant very often, but that's a brilliant man. I mean, the things he's doing there are just, I, I to this day, I've never seen anything quite like what he's doing at North Dakota State. I mean, just unbelievable. Um, great, great way to get your feet wet. I mean, that was, 
you talk about getting thrown in the fire, man. That was that was as hot as it gets um, in terms of what he what he demanded from you. But uh, no no better first job. Uh, from there, went to Louisiana Lafayette and worked for uh, Rusty Witt, who is now the director of strength conditioning at Texas Tech, who is another just tremendous strength coach. You know, totally different. I, I had a great couple first gigs. Um, you know, working for uh, Coach Kramer at North Dakota State, um, a guy who's kind of been in every facet of athletics you can imagine. Football, worked at the U.S. Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, just um, in terms of understanding the body and physiology, just you can't find any better than him. And then going to work for a guy like Coach Witt, who um, is a just honestly just a tough-ass Texas guy who played football and uh, eventually joined the military at kind of a, you know an older than typical age and had a, obviously was very influenced by his time in the military. So just kind of brought that that tough, gritty mentality to his training. So you know my first two bosses were the I mean two as two good two good straight coaches you can find at any level. And those are the first two guys I got to work for, and they're polar opposites. So I got like such a great little spectrum you know, really early on in my career. Uh, from there, went to the University of Tulsa, was hired by Rort Cutslow, He, as you mentioned, was now the director at Missouri. Uh, just another level of, of great knowledge that I was able to, you know, accumulate a little bit of. Uh, majority of my time at Tulsa was under uh, strength coach Adam Davis, who is also yep. now at Missouri in a uh, assistant capacity. I believe he's the uh, – director of sports technology or, or one of those those titles but two more guys that just I mean like I said you don't you don't get any better in terms of what I was able to learn in my first couple of years uh yeah Jordan and I um that was an awesome deal man you know I was at, we were tall together for a few months and I was there whenever he got hired at Jinx and yeah. uh you know we were able to maintain a relationship and uh it's been cool man we've we've kind of been able to to get integrated with uh, some other strength coaches in the area, Union, Bixby, a couple of West Side guys, and we kind of all get together and get to have a beer and chew the fat every once in a while and talk training. So it's been, uh, I'll just say I've been incredibly, incredibly fortunate in, in coming up through the ranks. When you were, um, when you were, as you talk about coming up through the ranks, was there many high school coaching jobs even available at that time? I mean, was that even, because it seems like to me, like that wasn't even a thing whenever I was growing up. It was like, uh, one of your assistant coaches was going to be the strength coach and, and kind of figure it out. So it seems like maybe at the beginning of your career, and, and maybe I don't, I'm off on this some of the times, but I don't even know that there were high school coaches. So was that even a, a thought in your mind? Like, hey, I'd like to go be a strength coach in high school, or, or that wasn't even a job, so it wasn't even thought of. No, yeah, yeah, you're, uh, you're dead on. It, when I was coming up, um, yeah, it was something – I don't remember when I was an intern, I don't even know if – I, I, I'm going to try to think the first high school job that I remember hearing about. I'm not even sure what it was. It wasn't until I was probably a GA. And um, like I mentioned that, um, you know, my father was, is the AD at BA. So I was kind of involved when they hired their first strength coach. And, and I had met, I had talked to him a little bit because I knew the guy they hired. So my point being that I kind of remember the first time I didn't even know that high school strength coaches were a thing, you know, you could kind of, lead yourself to believe that at some point it would happen, you know, sure. it's, as with everything else, it trickles down from college to high school. Um, but 
yeah, it, it definitely, it was definitely not in the forefront of my mind, not something didn't, you know, once I chose to do the strength conditioning route, never thought I would end up back at VA for a multitude of reasons. One of which being, you know, high school strength coaches weren't a thing, but, um, you know, like I said, trickles down from college. And I've got to imagine that it's just going to keep, keep trending that direction, especially man with liability. I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons they, they do it these days is, is liability reasons. You got to have your certifications. You got to have somebody that knows what they're doing. It's, going to be held responsible you know i mean it's as, as you two both probably know i know coach walls you've ran off-season programs yourself it's it's mm-hmm. a lot to ask a football coach who's got football responsibilities and teaches as well to be in charge of 100 plus kids for several hours a day during their off-season training it's just it's a lot to demand of, of somebody who's got a lot of other responsibilities so having somebody who's in charge of that uh just it takes a lot of it just it gives your, your your football coaches a lot of breathing room, so I think it's it's definitely something that's going to keep growing at the high school level. If I had to guess, it's it's definitely hard too, me, because then not not only that, you know, now you're maybe you're asking a, a guy that coaches, you know, or just use me as an example. If I'm coaching football, I'm, I'm probably not going to have much of a vested interest in the volleyball team. You know, I'll, I'll right. cheer, yeah. I'll cheer, I'll cheer them on. I'll go watch them play, but it's going to be difficult for me to, you know to sit there and, and worry about their, their development and worry about the, the tennis team and things like that. I, I just think having that neutral, neutral set of eyes for kids, you know, and, and I, it, it's, it hasn't caught on up North. Obviously there always seem to be a little bit later, but I, you know, every one of these school mission statements I read says, you know, we're, we're all about the development of, of all of our kids in every possible way yet they don't want to hire strength coaches when to me that's like the the root of everything a kid wants to be you know if his passion is to be a great athlete the the weight room is a place that that athlete has to live and you got to yeah. kind of have a professional yeah. there i think to push him in that direction i assume you would agree yeah absolutely um and man, like you said you know the, the volleyball players tennis players you know football coaches kind of get thrown into those positions and they're just it's not they don't care, you know, they want the best for these kids. They want to push them in the right direction and they want nothing but success for them. They just have a lot of other things on their plate. But yeah, yeah it's, that's the great thing about strength coaching, man. And I, I will say, you know, having done a few years at the college level, going down to high school ranks, man, one of my favorite things is all the different sports I get to get my hands on, get to work with volleyball players and tennis players and wrestlers and baseball players and basketball players and golfers and cheerleaders and dancers and, like, you know, a lot of people assume I'm an old football player. They're like, oh, but, but you can't wait till you know, or, you know, you hope someday to hire somebody else, you can just be football. But no, man, you know, I, I love football. Football's my first love. You know, played it for years. Huge part of my life. But, man, you know, I really believe you you become a better coach getting to work with other sports. You learn, you learn how to deal with people. You learn patience. You learn empathy, man. You learn how to talk to different types of people you learn how to how to see different things you you watch different athletes you see different movement patterns and man it's, I would say if there's one if there's the biggest way I've grown as a coach uh since I've been a broken arrow is getting to work with so many different types of athletes for different sports uh you know we all uh, you know I say it, we all as in strength coaches a lot of times we get locked into football and football's king and we got to take care of football, football is number one, they, whatever, they pay the bills. That's fine. You know, I understand that. But, I mean, it's, there's a lot to be said for getting out there with those, those athletes that 
that are kind of in the sports where they, they may not get much scholarship money and they know they're not going to go, you know, golf at a, for a full scholarship or, um, you know, play tennis or be a rower or whatever. But I mean, you work with some, some, some great, great kids that way and you learn a lot. So it's, it's definitely something that I think, yeah, as you said, you know, administrators, they all say they want, you know, what can we do to help our student athletes and hire a train coach, hire somebody who's just going to, whose goal, only goal is to help every athlete on your campus. They don't care what sport, they don't care how old they are, they don't care if they're talented, they don't care if they're going to get a scholarship. You know, none of those, that's the great thing about being a strength coach. None of those, I don't care about any of those things. All yeah. I care about is, are you going to come in the weight room with a good attitude and work hard and be a good teammate? If you are, we're going to get along great. You're going to love me, I'm going to love you, and we're going to have a freaking great time getting better together in the weight room. So, I think that's great, and I think uh... – I would think the cool thing and what I've seen, you know, is I, I go in there to work out early in the mornings and obviously you're already there. You know, I think I get there six, six thirty sometimes and it seems like you've been there two hours already. So I don't know I don't know when you get there, but it's gotta be some crazy, <laughs> crazy early. Um at first I was like, I think I'm gonna try to beat everyone here and then those first few weeks I see you <laughs> That's all right, I'll, I'm good with the second. Um but uh you know, or fifth. But um, you know, you, you've got so many different athletes uh, in different sports like you said um you know i, I would just and i see your different workouts you've got to have whatever that is six seven different workouts a day that you've got planned so um is that kind of something that you go in through the day and, you, and you're like okay each sport has its own workout or is it something where um football has its own and then you kind of group some of the other sports together most pretty much every sport has their own um you know i've, I've told people before when they they've asked me because, you know, yeah, I have all these teams. I have all these – it looks very complicated. It's really not, but it looks very complicated. All these, I have all these sheets and different folders, and it looks like it's a ton of work. Um, and I, and I told, I've told people this before. I said, man, this job is 85% organization, and I maintain that at least 85%, maybe 90 um, But, yeah, every team, you know, every team has a different workout, but we're going to, you know, as in pretty much all strength coaches, I have, I have some things I believe in that, you know, every team is going to do. It's not like football is going to come in and do an Olympic lift and a squat and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, wrestling is going to come in and we're just going to run sprints. You know, there's there's certain things, you know, that the kind of tried and true traditional exercises that have been proven effective over and over again. We're going to do those for, you know, virtually every team. And then kind of looking at it a little deeper, you know, what on the back end can we do, you know, you know, say, you know, basketball is going to come in. They're going to squat and do bench press or do pull-ups or do some core work just like every other team does. But, you know, what can I do on the back end for basketball that's going to be a little more specific that's maybe going to help keep them healthy? Um, same with, you know, wrestling or tennis. You know, what can I do upper body-wise to help make sure everybody's shoulders and elbows are feeling good? Um, so it's it's really not, you know, it's, it's a lot of organization just staying on top of everything. Um, you know, I've told you before, man, being a strength coach, being a strength coach is not hard. Now, you can't misunderstand that because you, <laughs> that means that means different things. You know, you, you can't be lazy. You've got to have a good work ethic and you've got to be organized. If you have a good work ethic and you're organized, you're going to be more than likely a pretty good strength coach. Because um, I, mean, I really believe that's the biggest part of the job. And you've got to be a, a great um, 
person to the kids, it seems like, too, because that was something that was always said in college and, and at our high school with, with you being there as this full-time strength coach, it's the same at our high school. But the strength coach is, is who spends the majority of the time around these kids. You know, that's, that's the kids. That's who they're going to be around first. Um, when the freshmen come up, they're going to be around the strength coach uh, more than anybody else. And, and they'll see all the other coaches that are there that aren't coaching another sport. But for the most part, you know, they're going to be dealing with you and, and go through you. And so um, you're a lot of times, you know, when, when coaches have a question about a kid, they go to the strength coach. We go to you to ask, hey, what's going on with so-and-so? What, what have you heard from, you know, whoever? And it seems like, you know, they kind of like to open up to the strength coach or in our case to you um, even more than, than their coaches some of the times. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, that's, there's definitely an an element of that, you know, everywhere I've ever been, any place I've worked or since I've been a broken arrow, um, the strength coach always kind of has a unique relationship with the athletes. And I think that's for, I think that's for several reasons. Uh, First and foremost, they know I do not dictate playing time. Now that can manifest manifests itself in a few ways that can be negative but for the most part that's positive they a lot of times I think I feel like kids feel like they need to um kind of put on a performance for some of the coaches they're talking to like oh here's the offensive coordinator you know I'm a, a whatever a running back and I need to to make sure the offensive coordinator thinks highly of me I need to say these certain things blah blah, blah. um I feel like as a strength coach you really really get a true insight into these kids because they know you know they know I'm going to yell at them. They want, I want them to work hard. We have, you know, whatever, we have a good relationship, but they know at the end of the day, all I want is for them to work hard in the weight room. I'm not going to, I'm not going to decide if they get the ball in third and third and three or not, you know, if that makes any sense. But yeah, everywhere I've been, the strength coach kind of has unique, a unique relationship with the athletes, a unique insight. And that part of that, as, as you mentioned, is because we spend just so much freaking time with them. Right. You know, we, especially in high school, man, college, I mean, college offseason seems long, but man, I mean, after, after three years of the college ranks going back down to high school, man, <laughs> I have, I have more time with these kids before we get to spring ball than most college coaches do their entire offseason, including summer. I mean, it's just so long. Um, so you, just, you spend so much time around them and, you know, inevitably they're going to kind of come to you for, whatever things they see and you know a lot of it is is talking about I've kids come to me about their coach about you know why does this coach not like me what do I need to do to get in this coach's good graces blah 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 so I feel like a lot of it a lot of a lot of being a strength coach on the social end is just kind of being a diplomat and and understanding that you're going to have to deal with some kids that want to come and either complain or get advice you know what how do I get my linebackers coach to, to notice me to to understand that I'm better than the guy in front of me and it's you know obviously you have to stay incredibly political you gotta you gotta keep the coaches first but um, it's, it's a good way to it's probably the best way you can have to, to develop a relationship with a kid you know just just tell him the things that he needs to hear for that are in his best interest you know hey look you're working hard right now the coach thinks the guy ahead of you is better but, you know, he sees this, 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 and this great quality in you. So let's, let's really try to harness those. Hey, we got four weeks till test week. Let's, let's really, you know, go balls to the wall here these last, this last month and see if we can't get you that starting job. You know, it's just little things like that that 
I mean, you deal with on a daily basis. Um, and it's, I mean, it's awesome, man, because the kids, it just, you, you see a lot of trust, I feel like. A lot of trust gets, you know, gets put your direction and, and kind of these kids want to get your two cents as a kind of a conscious objector or somebody who's going to be able to provide an objective point of view. And, you know, they know you don't dictate their playing time. You don't care if they start or the guy behind them starts, the guy ahead of them starts, doesn't matter to them. They just want your insight. So it's uh, that's one of the coolest things about being a strength coach is just being able to, you, I guess the best way to say it, you, you get a lot of opportunities to kind of send a really good message to the kids. You know, hey, what, this blah, 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 what do I need to do? Man, work harder. Blah, blah, what do I need to do? Well, how are you great? Oh, you're failing a class? Well, hey, I mean, how do you expect your coach to trust you if you're failing a class? All right, let's get that grade up. Hey, keep working hard. You're doing great, blah, blah. Just you get opportunity after opportunity to provide really, really good messages for these kids, which is, I mean, that's a great, probably the, one of the best parts about being a strength coach. You're kind of the front lines of being able to, to set the culture of the team. Um, I, I, you know, that's, that's a huge, huge responsibility. You know, along those lines, uh, Coach Elliott, what, what would you say is kind of like, you know, your, your philosophy, maybe some things you've grabbed from places you've been, What's kind of your, you know, your strength philosophy, your strength culture, you know, and how does that kind of tie into, you know, what you guys are trying to do at Broken Arrow? Well, the first time I was entrusted with kind of developing a culture was here at BA, and and it was, I would say, a kind of a, a culmination of uh, Coach David Alexander, our head coach, Coach Brady Walls, who I'm speaking with, and myself. Uh, we, had, we had the three of us had a lot of conversations about how to how to change the culture here at, you know, Broken Arrow where Coach Harper and I are currently. Yes, um, we did. <laughs> so, and man, and I'll tell you that I still have great memories and, and looking back on those those times that we sat around talking about it and, you know, the, after workout, <laughs> talking about the things we put the kids through. And and <laughs> we, uh, I guess, to answer your question, um, it's, from my vantage point, there's a lot of ways to do it. The number one, the key word for me, the number one thing you have to be is vigilant. It's, it's, you've got to be consistent. And that's something that. Yeah. Every day. I feel like I, I, I see a lot. Yeah. Every single, no matter what it is. And that's, that's from, in my opinion, that's a mistake. I think I see some coaches make is they, they view a, if they implement a rule and it, it kind of gets washed away and nobody really, nobody really enforces it, then like, well, no harm, no foul. Um, you know, well, whatever. The, the rule didn't work, but no big deal. And that's, that's something I, I think that from what I, I've seen from being in my position as a, as a head guy, I, I really disagree with. Every time you implement a rule and it doesn't, <laughs> excuse me, it doesn't get enforced, that's a knock to your credibility. And as soon as your credibility gets damaged a little bit, the next rule you implement is going to be even less effective. And if that one doesn't follow through, the next rule you implement is going to be a little, a little less effective. And this, this might feel weird from a strength coach, but I honestly think less rules is better. I mean, now. Easier that, to enforce. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean no rules. There should be some rules. But once, once one rule gets put out and it gets kind of thrown into the ether and, and kids start to – and it, it, it gets ignored, it gets forgot about, which happens. We all do that. I mean, that's it's human nature. We all forget forget our, our kind of 
lackluster duties. And once that happens, okay, the next rule, who, who, who is really going to take it seriously at that point? So I feel like less rules, but you know, what, you know, if, if you have one big one, you know, and, and force the hell out of that, you know, your foot's behind the line during your warm up. All right. That's, that's one of my big rules. That one I can never falter on. As soon as I see it, once I let it slip once, then the, the credibility is damaged a little bit. Next guy might, might notice. And, you know, these kids are so much more observant than we give them credit for, man. These 15, the 15 year olds that are failing four classes, you think they can't freaking spell, but they notice the first time you falter on one of your rules, one of your, something that you tried to implement for the program, man, they, it's like blood in the water, man. They can smell it. I really believe that. And, uh, so that's from my point of view, everybody has some things that are important to them. You know, your rules are your own. They're important to you. I would, my, my view is keep the rules low, have three or four or five, whatever they are, but you've got to enforce them vigilantly, man. I mean, utterly vigilantly. Um, I mean, three, I think three rules enforced well is better than 10 rules and uh, only three of them get enforced well, seven don't. There's a, a tremendous difference between that in terms of the way your kids react to, you know, how well you're holding them up to the standard that you claim that you want them at. So I know that's a little bit of a convoluted answer, but uh, I think that's the best, the best uh, way I can kind of encompass it. Oh, that's great. And that's, that's one of the problems I see even, I mean, even away from football in the, um, in teaching, you know, there's some of these teachers that want to enforce 18 different rules, but only really make some of the kids do some of them. And so then, like you said, when, when something is serious for them or they want a a new one, uh, something new in there, uh, the kids ignore it. You know, I think, uh, I think we've all, all read the Jocko book. I don't know if, I think you have coach Ellett uh, as well. I I know you've, you've implemented some stuff from it. So, but even like he says, you know, when his uh, commander would ask him if he needed anything, it was no, no, it was bare bones. But then when he finally said, okay, this is what we need, you know, and the commander was giving it to him because everyone knew when it was, when it was a rule or, you know, I know it's a little bit different, but when it, when it was a rule, you know, it's serious. This is what, this is what we believe. And like you said, you enforce it um, at all costs. And, and that's what you do obviously in the off season and uh, during the season as well. But, uh, I think that is extremely important uh, in all aspects of life. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you talk to any teacher, you know, my, I'm kind of from a family of educators. My father's an administrator, but has, you know, a background in education. My mother's a teacher. And, you know, you talk to any teacher that's, that's worth their salt, and they'll tell you that it's very easy to come in demanding and scale back. It's very difficult to come in uh, a little more lenient and then try to tighten the reins as you go. It's just the people, especially young people, I mean, I think people in general, especially young people just don't respond to that as well. Uh, But if you come in kind of kicking the door down with your demands and then then you can always scale back, you know, you can scale back and and provide a little leniency along the way. But, um, you know, I think think every good coach is, is taking a lot of things from lessons of teachers. You know, that's all we are after all as teachers. Most coaches, our teachers as well, even ones that aren't, you know, they're in reality, they are teachers, you sure. know, maybe under the, the guise of a different, whatever different title, but uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's all in the same vein, you know? 
I think it helps you a lot too when when you can have your rules. Like you said, you know, th- your three, four rules, and then you explain to them why. You know, you, you tell you tell the kids yeah. why why this rule is super important, why we're gonna we're gonna hold this to a standard, and all of a sudden now, maybe you know, eighty five percent of them are already bought in because they believe the why. Well, now they're on your side. You know, now yeah. you got you I, have you have the leaders on your team, and all of a sudden now they're enforcing the same things. They're saying the same things that Coach Ellett's telling them. And that, that becomes part of that standard because now when I think they call it, you know, horizontal leadership, you don't have to, to be the only one and the bad guy enforcing it. Now it's, it's everybody just kind of policing themselves. Yes, man. That's couldn't have said it better myself. Um, you know, I remember when I got high, when, when I was working at uh, Louisiana Lafayette and I was working for, for uh, coach Witt, who's at Texas Tech now, and he's, you know, a former military guy. And I remember him talking to the staff and, um, one of the things he said was, he said, these kids, they're going to be so quick to ask you or to, 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 to say, to kind of lash out and say, that's not fair. He said, if you ever hear me talking to the team, you'll notice as we go, as I'm laying out rules, and this is a former military guy. So he's got, he's got some rules, but he's incredibly diligent in enforcing them. And he's, you know, he said, you'll hear me say, you know, we're doing this, this, and this, and these are the rules blah, 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 blah. Is that fair? And, you know, you hear just a resounding yes, sir. And he said, you know, the, these kids are so quick to, to jump to that. Like, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. So, you know, that's something you got to, especially when you're being, you know, not unnecessarily demanding, but kind of demanding in a way that a kid might not understand. You know, as an adult, as a coach, we might implement a rule that as a kid, like, you know, oh, you're, you know, your foot's got to be behind the line. You got to go 10 full yards. When you get done, your rack's got to be set up perfectly. You know, as, as a as a 16 year old kid, you, you might say that's stupid. That's a dumb rule. That doesn't make any sense. That's not fair. You know, so that's something that he kind of preaches. That that mentality for kids is something they're going to go to immediately. So you got to, you know, intermittently kind of inject those. Uh, you know, hey. We're going to do this, this, and this. We get done. Your rack is in perfect position. You're lined up shoulder to shoulder at the front of the rack. Is that fair? And you get a yes, sir. You know, make sure they understand that they're all in it together. It's a group, you know, kind of, it's a group rule. No, you're not singling anybody out. It's not like this guy's rack's got to be cleaned up and these guys don't. So, yeah, um, I think, yeah, explaining it to them, keeping them all on the same page and, uh, you know, making sure there's no, dissension amongst the ranks is uh, incredibly important. One of the, one of the things I've always thought would be a big thing if you were a strength coach is, you know, wanting to put up big numbers from your kids, right? Cause that's one of the things that you can kind of quanti- quantify or qualify as, as saying, yeah, we've done a good job. Look, we're, we're, we're benching this much, our top guy or whatever it is. Uh, but the only difficult part, it seems like when you're going into a season or an off season is, um, is test week, you know, probably the best way to go about test week is, is, uh, giving them some time off before to maximize these numbers. But that may not be the most beneficial when you're talking about getting ready for um, a season, right? Because now you're losing out on a week for a a good test week maybe. So um, how do you, you know, kind of balance that out and and see the long-term goals over, you know, maybe some of those short-term goals of, of being able to rest it off a week to have a better test week, but maybe that doesn't benefit you in, in the long run as a team. Yeah, yeah, that's that's tough, man. That's it's a balancing act. I feel like as a strength coach, 
and you know, I've, everybody's got their different their different philosophies. You know, I've I've worked for some guys that were big numbers guys, and really the whole you know some guys were really the whole offseason revolved around the testing. What kind of numbers can we put up? They felt like that's their job. That you know, it's my job to get big numbers, whatever. And then I worked with some guys that that were the exact exact opposite. Did not care. You know, we're here to train. We're here to get better, become better football players or basketball, baseball, whatever. It's not about our you know our maxes. And so it's it's just kind of your own personal preference where you lie. Uh, and it's tough. I I happen to lie a little more on the side of I'm I I'm not a big numbers guy. You know, if if it wasn't important to the kids. I wouldn't even mess with it because I don't need it. You know, I don't need to see what you can do one time to know if you're getting stronger. I can see on our sixth training block, you're doing this weight for four reps and I know how to see how it looks. I know if you're getting stronger or not, but you know, it's important for, it's important for the, first of all, for the kids, you know, the kids live for max week, which is awesome, which is exactly what you want, man. Right. You want a group of kids who are chomping at the freaking bit. For max week, you know, there's, there's, and, and you can't, you, you can't hinder that as a coach. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's just, just, that's like the purest form of, of just wanting to get better, you know, as a, on a player's end. So as a coach, you kind of got to foster that, you know, that mentality that, you know, while I'm, I don't feel like I need a max week, I don't, you know, I, I, I know, I, I watch you all. I watch you guys. These guys all. I don't. I don't need to see them do one rep to know if they're getting stronger or not. But I know how important it is for them. So I try to. I try to kind of curtail some things around that. Um, you know, like you said, you know, for this week at BA as Coach Harper, as you know, we we kind of flip the script a little bit for a couple of reasons. First of all, just kind of to break the monotony a little bit. We this is this was week. Uh, this was week seven for the off season. Or sorry, this is week nine total for the offseason. So, uh, and just, just, just to get something new in their heads. Like, hey, this isn't just another week. This is the, this is the week leading up to max week. So, just you know, getting their heads on day one of the week. Hey, a week from today, we're it's test week. So, um, I think if you do it the right way, you can, you can feel like you're not sacrificing an entire week or two full weeks to testing if you're still getting some good work in. Um, you know, the prior week, and and that's that's the great thing about high school kids, man, is these kids recover so fast. God, the things I've seen these kids do after the most <laughs> brutal workouts, I swear there's some of them we could ask to test the day after our hardest workout and they still PR. So that's, that's an awesome thing about high school kids, man. If, if they go to, if they sleep at, if they eat dinner and sleep any ordinate amount of time that night, they're going to freaking their central nervous system is going to be on fire the next day. So uh, that's that's a cool thing about high school is we can still we can hit it really really hard the week before test week and then we can still come in and and they're going to be freaking chopping the bit to to get under a bar for uh, for test week. Coach, how how much of your your program and your education with these kids is their their diet and their their habits outside of it? I mean, I've I've always kind of been the the fifty fifty guy. Like, hey man, your work your workout's great. That's fifty percent of uh, of what we're trying to do. And if that's the only thing you're doing, you're still going to get an F. You know, the other the other half of it's always going to come with what what you're putting in your body. How are you refueling? And then are you sleeping enough at night? Because you know we're asking a lot of these kids, and they got to be able to uh, to regenerate. You know, they tear it down. They also got to be able to repair it. 
Yeah, man, I, I, I can't even, when I'm talking to the team at the end of the workout, I can't even finish before a smart ass says, eat, sleep, hydrate, just mocking me. You know, <laughs> eat, sleep, and hydrate. And Coach Harper, I'm sure, can do. Um, yes. Because I say it constantly. But it's, yes, I mean, you know, strength coaches talk about nutrition a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. Some of them talk about it more than talk about training. And even with that said, you can't, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to under talk how important it is. I mean, these high school kids, it, it's tough, man, with, with, with kids in high school are almost utterly dependent on their parents. Right. So, yep. and it's sad, man. You see, you see young kids come up and they're either, you know, some of them are, I mean, I mean, literally malnourished and some are, you know, we have kids who are, I mean, obese in a sense that it's, a, it's, I mean, unhealthy, obviously, but I mean, they need to be under strict dietitian uh, guidelines constantly. Yeah. And it's just, it's sad because you just, you don't, you know that they have no impact on it. You know, we talk about, we, well, we get the kids, I mean, in the summer, I work with kids as young as sixth, seventh grade, but even, you know, say I get them with the varsity level. I, so I get them when they're probably 14, maybe 15. Either way, they can't drive. They don't have jobs. Nobody's hiring 14-year-olds. Um, so they don't have money. You know, they can't go out and pick their own meals. They eat what their mom or dad buys. They eat what their mom or dad cooks. They go out. Their parents decide where they're going. Um, and they're just they're just like a slave to to wherever the parents decide is, is you know, whatever whatever decision they make. And it's it's tough, man. I mean, we've, uh, we're fortunate enough to have a unbelievable booster club who does a, a, a great job. And we got peanut and jelly sandwiches. We got chocolate milk, you know, in season, God, these kids in season are just so, so spoiled. They get meals every day. They get sandwiches, they get eggs and pancakes and biscuits and gravy on the weekend. And, um, every chance they get to get really fed well, you know, they, they get access to it. So it's a, it's a little different, you know, I feel like college is a little more about educating, um, and, and kind of empowering the kids to make their own choices, uh, in terms of what they want to eat or what they need to be eating for performance and for, you know, the, the body that they need for athletics and, and high school, I think is more about, just getting some yeah. in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Just, just make sure they get some calories in them, and and just pushing them the right direction. Like, you know, that's I have our kids do food logs, and that's before. I mean, I'll look at the food log briefly, but one of the first things I ask is, all right, who's making dinner? And it's so you get you get a a, a beat on on the how it works in the household so quickly. Huh. You know, you'll get yeah. um mom cooks. Like, oh, well, you know, it depends if I'm at my mom's or my stepdad. Um, uh, well, nobody cooks. I just kind of, I'll find something in the kitchen every night. And it's like, you kind of got to know how to handle each one of those. Like, okay, well, so you so you, you kind of make your own dinner at night. Okay, well, who's buying the groceries? Do you go to the grocery store with your mom? Okay, great. Uh, well, maybe you drag her to this aisle and say, I, I, it might be great if I get this, this, and this. Like, and you know, th- those are the tougher ones that you got to kind of, do a little more education on and you know sometimes you get well mom cooks dinner every night great all right so tell mom next time she goes to your grocery store uh maybe tell her to buy a little more of this this and this this is what you want for dinner um 
make sure, you know, let her know that, and, you know, for a lot of those kids, you say, you know, let her know that Coach Ellett said that, you know, she, you need to get a lot of lean ground beef, that, that uh, you, you want some lean hamburgers every night. And, you know, it's, that's what a lot of high school is. It's just kind of learning how to, how to manipulate different decisions or different situations um, in terms of what the parents have access to. Sure, and if, if it's a family that goes out and, and eats every night, you've got to be smart enough to know, okay, this is probably the best thing they can get at Taco Bell, and this is probably the best thing they can get at McDonald's. And you know what I mean? Like, if their parents are taking them to McDonald's, yeah. like, it's almost like you've got to know, okay, well, then you can still get the grilled chicken breast or, or whatever it is, you know, but you've got to know it at a lot of these different uh, fast food chains that you'd rather not go to, but that's where mom's taking them. That, that's about their only option. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I have a nutrition pamphlet I give out and it's to a lot of the kids and it's got, it's got exactly that, you know, you, you're the best choice. If you go to, if you go to uh, Burger King, the best choice, if you go to Subway, the best choice, if you go to McDonald's, Taco Bell, and obviously it's not, obviously not best case scenario, but yeah, like you said, you got to kind of be prepared for whatever they want to throw your way. But, uh, and you got to get some of these kids to be honest too, right? And I mean, I, I know I've heard a lot of your your stories about kids that are, are grossly overweight and they're saying that they're eating uh, smoked tilapia every night. Here, it's, it's half a flake of, of smoked tilapia. Co- Coach Ellett, I didn't eat anything. What was Nick Saban saying? Well, the, the, the air the air doesn't have any calories. <laughs> it's hilarious, man. Yeah, we have we have some guys on weight loss. Uh, the weight loss program and you know I'll make them do food logs and I'll make I'll, like I tell everybody this but I'll make sure to tell the weight loss guys I'm saying I listen you're not going to get punished for this this is just to help you so if you're not honest on it it's there's no point in doing it it's kind of a waste of time oh yes sir yes sir and I'll get it back and yeah they just it's just grilled chicken and and salad every day it's <laughs> unbelievable and they and they and they gained six pounds. It's, yeah. it's crazy. But, you know, that's – Did you drink that's anything? Part, a couple part, a couple waters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, man, that's that's part of working with kids, I guess. That's why we got jobs, right? It is. I, I just think it's funny, too, that a lot of these – like this, the super skinny kids, you know, and I, I get the whole, well, you know, my, my mom doesn't want me to get, you know, high, high cholesterol or all this stuff. I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, you weigh 140 pounds. You could literally eat for 24 hours and you'd maybe gain 10 pounds. You know, I think a lot of those, those super skinny high catabolic rate kids have like no idea. You know, there, there was one kid we had who was like seven foot two basketball player. He's like, man, I can't gain any weight. You go research this. He had, he had to have like 6,000 calorie diet in order to gain weight. You know, some of these kids literally have no idea what that's like. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you know, they, they want to, you know, they, every, everybody's got like their fit, not, you know, these, these, a lot of these kids have their fitness pals or their parents have a little fitness pal or whatever. They can, you could Google, you know, yeah. caloric intake for a whatever. And no, none of those, those sites <laughs> or those applications or those, those formulas, you know, none of those take into account that you're 16 years old and how many calories you're burning on a daily basis at that age and doing the kind of workouts that like, say we do a broken arrow like that's something that you just you try to explain to the kids like man you did you did power cleans you did back squats you did you know whatever auxiliary work was that day and then we did 14 reps on the prowlers like do you understand 
your body is as close to on fire right now as it can be. I mean, your, your muscles, your central nervous system, your metabolism is burned. I mean, it is, it, it's going faster than you can imagine. You know, your, your fitness pal, you can't just go say, well, I'm 16 years old or, you know, whatever. I, I, you know, weigh this much, I'm this tall. What should I, what should my BMI be? Any of that, you know, that crap. Yeah. Like you just freaking go eat your butt off, you know, anything, just shovel, just freaking shovel stuff yeah. into your freaking body. Anything. I don't care what it is. When those, when those kids are that size, I mean, I, it just makes me laugh. I'm like, you know, I, I used to take pictures of, I'd show them what, okay, here's what a football player looks like, you know, and obviously they're not going to look like a middle-aged man, but this is a football player. You look like a marathon runner. <laughs> you know, I, had, I, had, I had pictures like that and I'm like, which one do you want to look like? You know? Like, well, I want to look at the football player. Like, dude, you need to eat like a football player. Let's go. Let's get, I, let's get on the program, I, dude. I remember my dad telling me, you know, I'm a, I'm a former offensive lineman, and I've, I've lost a lot of weight since then, you know, so I, I'm a guy that always had to really consciously try to keep my weight up. And I remember my dad telling me, he was a former offensive lineman, saying, you've got to work as hard as eating as you do in the weight room. Yeah. Like, everybody thinks, like, oh, in the weight room, I'm going to, I'm going to work my freaking butt off. I'm going to throw 10 more pounds on every set of bench press. And I'm going to do, you know, 20 pounds more than I'm supposed to on squat. Like I'm going to actively work hard. And then when you tell a kid, okay, that the seat, remember, see how hard you work in waiting today, you got to work that hard at eating tonight. And they just, it's kind of like a kind of foreign to them. Like, what do you mean? I got to work hard at it. Like, and that's, well, that's exactly what I mean. You got to eat, <laughs> you, you got to walk out of this weight room and go eat. Three pinburn jelly sandwiches and drink four chocolate milk. And then, you know, you're gonna go home. Where are you going to dinner tonight? Oh, we're going to wherever. We're driving to Tulsa to go to dinner here. Like, okay, what are you gonna eat on your way to dinner? What do you mean? What, like, well, that's a twenty minute drive. You're not gonna go twenty minutes without eating, are you? You need to eat something on your way to dinner. And you need to keep a snack in the car to have on the way home. Like that's that's something that it's it's kinda really hard to get in their in their wheelhouse, but that's something that, you know, I remember hearing when I was trying to gain weight coming up and you've got to work as hard at eating as you do at lifting or running or whatever. Uh, and I think if you can get somebody who embraces that mentality, like understands that, then I think they're, they're kind of onto something. I think that chocolate milk uh, that we have after the workouts that you talk about, I think that's one of the best things that we do um, at, at the high school. I mean, we used to drink chocolate milk, uh, after college workouts. So, so having these kids with that ability to do that uh, right after every workout, I think is, is huge. And, and you start seeing from where, where I came in three years ago, the kids that were pushing prowlers um, and they start getting bigger and bigger and get used to it. And they get these um, after workout, you know, chocolate milks to yesterday when you had to push prowlers and they were doing it across the entire field going uh, down and back with prowlers. And, and then today came in and did a regular workout. It just it's it's unbelievable that when you can give them the right stuff after a workout, like you just already you'd already just said that when they're that young, you give them the right stuff after a workout, and they do what they're supposed to do. Just how quickly they recover and how much better they can get. Yeah, um, yeah as I said before, man, our, our we have a great booster club, man. If there's any high school strength coaches or coaches, period, listening, man, booster club is your best friend. That's. I learned that really quickly. You know, I, I did a couple of years in college and then coming down to high school for the first time, man, that's, 
the best thing I the best decision I ever made as a high school coach was to really, really endear myself to the booster club right away. Um, that's that's your the best ally you have, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's you know, Coach Harper and well, both of you, as you know, we, we do something called X Need Saturdays, which we'll do tomorrow morning, and we'll open a weight room for a couple hours every Saturday morning, and there's no no mandatory workout. It's completely voluntary. And I tell the kids that the main reason we want you to come in is you weight gain guys. We're going to have peanut butter and jelly out. So, you know, let's, let's look at your options for Saturday morning. You could sleep in and get up at, you know, 10, 30, 11. And, you know, whatever you're, you know, you know what you're going to do. You wake up, you're going to watch television or whatever for an hour. So at, at noon on Saturday, you could be in a, you know, 400 calorie depth, 300 calorie deficit from not doing anything. Or you can come in the weight room at 10 a.m., eat two, two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, drink a couple of chocolate milk, hang out with your buddies for an hour and a half, throw a football around, do some curls, do a little pump in. And then at noon, eat two more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, drink two more chocolate milk. And then instead of your instead of your 300-calorie deficit, deficit at noon, you've got a 1,200, 1,500-calorie surplus. You know, you're talking about gaining weight why not take advantage of every opportunity you have, you know, those things. And that's, and that, you know, as both of you know, with, with kids that age, you know, the biggest thing you can do is get them in, in a, a good routine to help them, you know, either gain or lose, you know, you're trying to gain weight and then you sleep until noon one day, which is, you know, so easy for a high school kid to do. They don't even realize how off their routine is. They're going to forget about lunch and they won't eat again. They won't eat till 8 p.m. Sure. You know, where you get them up yeah. in a decent hour, they'll come in, they'll get a meal in them, and then they'll get a little more calories in them. They'll be awake, they'll be out with their buddies. You know, hey, let's, let's hey, we're supposed to be gaining weight, man. Let's go eat again. Like, just those those routines that you can get them in um, make all the difference in the world. I, I love that we're. <clears throat> I just love that we're still talking about this. I I think it's it's the most under undereducated underutilized thing in a, in a weight program because all, all these coaches you talk to, they all go talk to the guys at the clinics about the new tools, you know, Oh, I'm going to go buy some more prowlers or oh, I'm going to go buy some more wrist wraps or I'm going to go buy some more bumper plates, whatever I mean. Now those things, yeah, they're important. But then at the same time I go to, you'd go to their weight room and they don't feed their kids. You know, yeah. think of the, think of the thousands of dollars that you're spending on all of these other things when at the end of the day, I mean, it's still about the basic needs for your kids. They got to have clothes. They got to have shelter. They got to have food. You know, wh- wouldn't you take care of those needs first? And I think, you know, the stuff you're saying, they're, they're simple fixes. You know, it doesn't cost a lot of money to buy jugs of peanut butter, to buy loaves of bread, no. you know, to, to no, buy chocolate milk. It's, it's a simple fix and, you, and you're going to see your weight gains double. I mean, it's it's a it's yes. the easiest thing in the world. You don't have to worry about going and buying a, a soup bone and a prowler. As cool as those things are, you know, but you know, and then you don't feed your kids. It's, to me, it's just kind of ass backwards, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, hey man, Maslow's hierarchy. What's what's on the bottom? It's not it's not yeah. soup bones or weight training, right? It's freaking food, water, and shelter, right? Exactly. It's, I mean. That's right. Yeah, exactly like you said, man. It's and yeah, it's not expensive. You 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 gotta have a plan. You gotta do it the right way. I mean, yeah, you can get tubs of peanut butter. I mean, tub tubs of peanut butter, and we we get our we get free white bread from a a kind of a a near expired uh, 
Yeah. Not bakery, whatever, uh, grocery store. I mean, and it's, you know, it's still two weeks from expired. It just, they're not going to throw it on the shelf at a grocery store. So we get it. It's perfectly fine. You know, that, that peanut butter and jelly and chocolate milk, man, that is dirt cheap, but it is like, it is nothing but calories and protein. I mean, it's just, it's exactly what you need for a kid that age, you know, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, a lot of people have it backwards. I agree with you. I, I, go, go for ahead. it, Harp. Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, um, like you had said, you, you know, you talked about your dad a little bit and, and I think he was a strength coach as well. Um, at Tulsa there for a while. I think it was at Tulsa for a while. Um, you know, so obviously things have changed since then, but I think even a lot has changed even in these past few years with, with strength training and, and kind of the philosophies people are going through. So what, what are some of the kind of the, the big changes that you've seen here in the, in the recent few years um, in the strength cha- uh, training world as far as it comes, uh, you know, it goes towards football? Um, hmm, good question. Last few years, I don't know if there's anything I've really gotten a gotten a grip on the last couple of years. Uh, there's definitely some things I've noticed since I've been in the field. Um, it's you know there's there's definitely some fads, and, and you know I'm I'm old school. I'm as old school as they get. And you know I know that's a, around a lot of strength coaches. That's a bad word. You should never say you're old school. That makes you sound like outdated and like <laughs> you're not willing to learn or whatever. And that's fine, but but I, I don't shy away, man. I'm, I'm, I'm old school. Um, you know, I'm going to do the things that, that I think work, man. I keep my, my stuff pretty, pretty simple. Um, you know, you just, you see a lot of, I don't know. I feel like you see a lot of like kind of the next big thing. You see a, a lot of, a, a lot of pursuit of novelty, I guess if I had to quantify it is, you know, and that's, that's part of, I mean, if I'm being honest, that's part of kind of, you know, the social media culture and, you know, what's, what's, what have I never seen on football scoop? What have I never seen on YouTube? Like, well, I've never seen a, a, a team doing this. This, this, no, no, I, I, this is totally new. Nobody's ever done this. Like, well, just because nobody's done it doesn't mean it's valuable, <laughs> you know, and that's, 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 that's my opinion, you know, and uh, some people disagree with that. That's fine. That's, that's how I feel. Um, you know, I feel like, I think you have a lot of people that are, that, like I said, it's just it's a pursuit of novelty, a never-ending pursuit of novelty. What what have, what's not been done? Like, well, this is going to get us on on football scoop. This is going to get us on YouTube. Somebody's going to notice this, you know. And I feel like that that mentality can kind of it gets you away from why you're there. It gets you away from you know this this field. Space conditioning is is at times it's frustratingly simple. It's just, and that, man, I feel like the, the number one job as a strength coach is not to get bored. You cannot get bored. Everyone else is going to get bored. I tell our kids this. I tell our coaches this. At, you know, week 10 of off-season workouts, everyone's, everyone's bored. You're all bored. You all can't, you all want to play football. You don't want to squat all year. You know, all the football coaches are bored. They don't want to watch you guys squat. They want to watch you guys play football, right? Everyone's bored. Uh, you know, that's, that's natural. That's if you weren't bored, you'd be power lifters or Olympic lifters or whatever. But the number one job of the strength coach is not to get bored. I can't get bored. I can't get bored with our squats. Man, we squatted the last six weeks. This is boring. All right, let's uh, 
let's do some gymnastics this week, whatever. Like, <laughs> no, we, you know, and, and now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you shouldn't incorporate some variety and try to keep it fun for the kids. You know, those things are important, but you just, you, the strength coach, you got to be the one person that doesn't get tired of doing the same stuff over and over and over again. Cause you have to, you've got to do the same stuff over and over again. And like I said, don't misunderstand me. Like you've got to, it's got to be a variety. You've got to keep it fresh for the kids. You've got to make sure they're engaged. But I feel like a lot of strength coaches, they completely compromise their programs because they, it's got to be entertaining for the kids. Hmm. And I just, that's just something I just, I can't agree with. Um, it just, to me, that kind of invalidates everything we do. You know, do I want our kids to have fun? Absolutely, I want to have fun. I want them to have a blast, man. I want them to love coming into moving weight. But if they're a little off, you know, if, if, if we've been doing it a couple weeks in a row, am I going to cancel our workout so we can go play dodgeball? Probably not. You know, <laughs> we need to work out. That's part of being a that's that's part of being a a competitive athlete. Sure. You know, um, so that's you know, I kind of I apologize, Coach Harper. I kind of veered from your question, but that. You kind no, of that's, led me. That's naturally. perfect. I, I'm glad you did because it's funny because I just kind of had a similar conversation like that with a guy, and he was like, you know, he's an NFL guy. He didn't play offensive line, but he was like, hey, man, you need to get your guys into um, – into, I forget what he said. It, it might have been like ballet, I think he said. You need to get your guys into ballet. I was like, oh, no, that's not for me. He's like, I'm just telling <laughs> you, I went into ballet. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like <laughs> – I get, I get whatever I get, an hour with the kids a day, not even that in the off season. Um, they need to do, you know, what they need. I got enough guys that want to be in ballet. I need a few guys that want to be football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's, and, 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 dude, you, you have no idea how much you get of that as a strength coach that, that like, hey, you need to get you guys into this. It's like, you need to get you guys into ballet. You need to get you guys into yoga. You need to get you guys into Pilates. And, and uh, you need to get you guys into cross country, whatever. And yeah. like, you know, yes, if, 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 if we sent our guys to do a ballet workout, they would probably be sore because they'd work a couple of muscles they didn't work for. They'd do some movements they haven't done. Um, but, you know, bang for your buck. Is that really what's best for us as football players? Probably not, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're, if you're an NFL guy and you're trying to find the extra little thing in your 10th year, maybe you go and do ballet. But if you're a – a 15 year old high school kid, you know, you need to be doing, and you only get two hours with the strength coach. You better be doing uh, some of the really important stuff and then get nutrition afterwards. Right. Yeah, exactly. Man. It's, uh, like I said, it's, it's a never, never ending pursuit of novelty, man. Like what, what has not been done? And I, I don't know. I feel like that, that kind of mentality is something I was exposed to a little bit when I was kind of coming up and, it's just, it's toxic, man. It's, it's just not in your kid's best interest. Like, like it's, it's tough, man. And, you know, it, it, it's a fine line as a strength coach. You know, I want to, there's a lot of times, as I, you know, I want to just turn the music up as loud as it goes. And I want everyone to be having fun and everybody to be dancing and fist bumping and, you know, and, and that's, that's good sometimes. But, you know, all that feel good stuff. You know, uh, some I feel like some coaches get really reliant on it, and it's something I I check myself sometimes. Like, damn, I'm, I'm doing a little too much of that. I need to scale back. 
I need to turn the damn music off. I need to do some things on the whistle. I need to get these kids a little more engaged. You know, I feel like a lot of coaches get caught up in the emotion. Um, and it's, you know, every once in a while as a coach, you get one of those like aha moments and you kind of get reminded of, of the things you're doing. Coach Harper, you probably remember this year, we played uh, a school called, a school called Westmore. And they were, I think it was week six or seven. They were, they had one loss or they were, no, they were undefeated. They were actually. undefeated, yeah. And, and they were number three in the state. And before the game, they were, and this was not a, this is not a traditional powerhouse. It wasn't like, you know, uh, a union or Jenks that was three and oh. This is a school that kind of had, uh, you know, slid along mediocrity the last several years. And anyway, they were undefeated three and oh, or number three in the state. And they were, uh, they literally had a boombox and a big speaker playing on the sideline for warm-up, and they were dancing. The head coach was dancing with them, and uh, it's just you know one of those things I remember. And and then you know we got to kick off, and I mean as soon as we hit them in the mouth, it was over. We won forty-two to seven. Only the reason they got seven because it was homecoming, and their refs were dead set. It was at their place on getting them touchdown. <laughs> My point is, we we dominated the game, and it was one of those aha moments, kind of not aha, just reminding you, like, hey, this isn't about emotion. You know, all that emotion feels good. Seeing all that that music being so loud, and, and now I'm not saying there's not a time for it. You know, don't misunderstand. There is a time for it, but the music being loud and all that, it's fun. It feels good, but at the end, all it is is emotion. When they step on the field, what's really going to matter is how well they prepared. You know, when when they when that offensive tackle steps up to block the defensive end, the music, whatever song was playing, when they test it on bench press, is it going to matter? What's going to matter is if he got the rep or not. You know what I mean? And it's and that's something that I feel like as a strength coach, you got to remind yourself of because it's so easy to get caught up in the emotion and and just making it fun and and kind of carefree and emotional and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's one of those things right now at BA, I probably need to scale back a little bit. And, you know, we test next week. That'll obviously be really high energy. And then we'll, we'll kind of tone it back, turn the music down. We'll do a little more time on technique, make sure these kids know it's not just about emotion and having fun. It's about we're in here to accomplish something. We're here to change your body. So, and, you know, that's that's my opinion. You know, I'm sure some people disagree with it, but that's that's kind of where I stand on that whole thing. Well, I, I think it's great. And and like you said, you know, you got to have kids that are, are ready to push through the grind of something. Um, you see a lot of these guys go in high energy and, and have a good workout, but then maybe the next week they're not so high energy and they have got an awful workout where you, you'd rather them be a lot of the guys that just – come in and, and they're ready to, to do their work and they're at whatever, 95, 100, 95% every single day instead of 100 and then 30 and then, you know, all, all over the board. Right, yeah, absolutely. Consistency is huge, man. It's Especially, like I said, with how long a high school offseason is, man. It is, it's, you have so many weeks of training between test weeks, you know, depending on how you structure it. But, um, you know, consistency, how, you know, are you coming in, as your best self every week, um, it's hard to hard to quantify how important that is for a high school athlete. 
What would um what would be you know I know what I always tell my offensive linemen when they're getting ready to go off to college I always tell them and I don't know if it's right or wrong but I know it would have helped me so I tell them it anyways but um my big point to them is hey don't go get really big and and you do need to work out but my number one thing to tell you would be just get in a, the best shape you've ever been in your whole life when you're getting ready to go off to college right after their their senior season just go find a way to get in the best shape and even if you're a little light not that big of a deal, get in great shape and make a, make a good impact or a good first impression on the strength coach. So that's kind of what I tell the guys. What's, what's um, some good information or some things that you tell these guys that are training this last semester they have as a senior before going into uh, their college careers? Yeah, I'd say your advice is right on the money. Um, you know, ask, you know, ask any CrossFitter, um, it's a lot easier to get in shape than it is to get strong. Getting strong takes a long time. Um, so I would say, you know, get your strength levels where they need to be, but keep your body weight at a point to where you can do the things you need to do on the field. Um, I think, you know, where you were going was, was, uh, the right path on that. Um, you know, strength and, uh, a lot of conditioning running as often as you can um and just yeah like you said show up uh show up in shape show up ready to run you know strength coaches they'll if they need to put weight on you they'll put weight on you and that's like the first thing that a lot of strength coaches will tell you hey we need to put weight on you we'll put weight on you but show up strong and in shape you know show up being able to move some weight but more importantly in shape able to run all day if we, if we want to put weight on you, you know, we'll put weight on you. But, yeah, strong and in shape, I think, is the way to go. <clears throat> Coach Held, I, I just got back from Nebraska, and uh, we're, we've kind of gone to, you know, no huddle, up-tempo team here, and it was kind of nice to see uh, Coach Duvall there. He's preaching a lot of the same stuff. Um, he he kind of had a pyramid that, that I thought was awesome. So, I mean, at the, at the bottom of his pyramid was, was evaluation – and, and testing kids. And the only reason he said that is because we want to know where guys were at, you know, which guys do we need to get stronger, which guys can handle some of this, uh, all of that. And it's basically just, you know, we're not maxing out every day, but I want to have an evaluation on my guys. And then the next two I thought were, you know, again, it, it reminded me of your program. You know, the, the next one was work capacity. You know, what kind of shape are they in? Can they handle all the work, all the rigor of football? And then the next one on the, on the totem pole was strength. So I, I loved what he had to say about it all because, again, you, know, you guys are going to be limited by time, but we got to get these guys strong. we got to get these guys in shape. I mean, those were the two things, you know, and everyone else wants to talk about, you know, these, these high-level high agility drills and explosiveness and, and all that. He's like, you can't do any of that stuff if you're not in shape or strong. So kind of start, yeah. start, start on that stuff, the old-school mentality, and then be able to branch out of that. But. I thought that that made a lot of sense to me. And like I said, it, it kind of reminded me of, of your program there at BA. Yeah, man. And that's strength. It's it, it, I, Sometimes I turn into a broken record with strength, the word strength. Like, you know, if you're stronger, man, you're harder to kill. I tell our kids that, well, you know, we do some prehab stuff. We do some, you know, shoulder health and neck and some lower body stuff with some hips and groin and hamstring. Uh, but I tell our kids, you know, the best rehab we have, the best way to keep you healthy is to keep you stronger. Why? Because if you're stronger, you're harder to kill, period. 
like that sounds like really primitive, but man, it's, it's, it's true. true. You know, you go you, like we we could do Brookner High School. We could do all the shoulder health and neck and whatever, all the prehab in the world. And then if we go play a game against the New England Patriots, who's gonna have more injuries? We are <laughs> yeah. because we're gonna get the absolute hell kicked out of us because they are stronger than us. I mean, literally physically stronger than us. Like, like and that's something you got to think about. You know, strength. It, it, I cannot, you know, undervalue how important strength is. You know, strength. And this is something that I kind of got. One of the one of the real big things I feel like I got from the first guy I worked for, Coach Kramer at North Dakota State. Uh, one of the things he would always say is uh, strength. Strength is a function of every other quality. This is strength is a function of every other physical quality you can develop, and it's mm-hmm. the only it's the only one that's that case. Getting stronger will improve your power output. Mm-hmm. Getting stronger will improve your cardiovascular ability. Mm-hmm. Getting stronger will improve your speed. Getting stronger will improve your ability to stay healthy. Um, and there's just there's not another quality that is that all encompassing. You know, you know, constantly trying to improve your power production that won't get you. It, you could you could argue it gets you stronger, and it might a little bit, but it won't keep keep you healthy. It won't improve your cardiovascular. Getting your body stronger will improve every other function of your body that you have. It is the most bang for your buck. Strength is the, in my opinion, is the best course of action, man. You cannot find a better way to spend your time than working on just your baseline strength. Yeah, I mean, all these guys that, that say, you know, I don't want to get faster, I want to, I want to be more agile, all this say, cool. I say, and Coach Duvall would say the same thing, weight room, get in the weight room. You got to get stronger. There's, there's two ways you can do it. You either get stronger or, you know, you're, you're cutting body fat and you're adding lean muscle mass. So I'm, 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 I'm having a sleeker car or I'm having a bigger engine, one of the two. If I do those two things, you'll get faster. You'll be able to jump higher. You'll be able to run faster. You'll be able to hit people harder. All those things will happen if you just do those two things. And man, high school, oh my God, that's, you talk about like rude awakenings in a kind of things you learn in a new job, things you weren't expecting, but high school, man, that, that could not ring more true than in high school. So high school athletes. Now football is a little bit of an exemption, but not really because you still got football players doing a lot of private stuff on the side, yeah. but every other sport besides football, football is the only sport that kind of monopolizes the high school game. But, you know, soccer has got their club, which is where they get recruited. Wrestling has their Greco-Roman and their Ironman. Baseball has Diamond League. Uh, volleyball has Summer League. T- you know, tennis, golf, they all play privately. Like every sport has a – every high school sport has a secondary or really maybe primary mode of competition, which might be where they re- get recruited and they're all trying to get scholarships. So what does that mean? That means they're, they are competing all year. Mm-hmm. A high school soccer player is playing games with their high school March through June and with their club team July through February. They're playing for, all year. Don't, don't forget about indoor too. <laughs> and indoor. And not and you know, and then on top of that, they all want to get scholarships. So they go to a private facility. What does the private facility say? 
well, you've got, you've got to work on your, whatever your field numbers you've got to, depending on the sport, you know, baseball, you've got to improve your 60, your uh, 60 yard, you know, football, your 40, whatever. So it's just more and more field work. It's more, no weight. It's just sport specific from day one, all day long. And they wonder why these kids go to school their freshman year and they're beat to hell. They're not healthy. Their joints are damaged. They're, they're weak. And they've done nothing but run around from side to side as fast as they can for five years. Like, of course their bodies are destroyed. Like, they spend no time actually trying to improve their body. It's all, yeah. it's all improving the skill level. Now, you can't see me. I'm using very, very heavy air quotes. Their skill level. <laughs> um, instead of, man, if you're a strength coach, the best thing you can do is improve their body. Can that's I can been, I pick them? That's always been me and Walls' big argument about the multi-sport thing. I mean, and, and not to get on that soapbox again necessarily, but um, so many people about, yeah, you got to play multiple sports. It's this and this. And, well, they're actually getting, in my opinion, some of the same burnout as you would from playing the same sport all year. You know, um, I agree. You shouldn't play football, a football game every week of, of every year of the, of the season. But you really want to be a, a great offensive lineman, at least for me when I did it, it was, hey, go play football. And then in the off season, train, train for football. That is giving your body off time from playing football and strengthening your body like you just said. Yeah, those, uh, in my opinion, all those, like, those statistics about multi-sport athletes are totally skewed. Those are very false. <laughs> opinion. Like, well, like, like, oh, all the, you know, 30 of the 32 first-round draft picks for multi-sport athletes. Well, yeah, no shit. They're the best athletes on the planet. Like, these are first-round – I apologize for the poor language. Like, you're, yeah, you're fine. First-round first, first draft pick receiver, like, yeah, you don't think they're the best – freaking basketball players or high school of course they are okay well that's that's point one point two is okay if you want to play two sports great good for you like more power to you now play, go play high school football and whatever high school baseball basketball track whatever but don't don't play club don't play aau don't go to every seven on seven that exists don't go to the private facility next door and work on your backpedal for five hours a day, which for some reason, some people feel like you need to pay somebody a hundred dollars a day to wash them backpedal all day. <laughs> like, okay, play your, play, play your two sports now. And this is, this is a coach Alexander quote. I'm going to steal from him. Uh, I think he, what did he say? Uh, if, if you're going to be a multi-sport athlete, your number one sport needs to be weight room. Which is so hey, you want, exactly. you, want, you want to play football you want to play football and baseball? Great. Play high school football, play high school baseball, and all year lift, you know, depending on where you're at in your sport, two to three times a week, you know, squat, press, whatever, do your core exercises, keep your strength where it needs to be. Sure, absolutely, more power to you, but don't don't buy into this this, you know, sell out to whatever your private facility next door and getting your 40 and your pro agility up as fast as they can get work on them all year that's just as a recipe for a short career sure it is and it's something i learned in college from my best friend he was the um well he was one of the just the freakiest strong guys i've ever known he, in high school he was basically bodybuilding type type lifting and um 
all the strength coaches, you know, I don't think they must not have known, um, must not have known very much because we'd be at college and they'd be like, you just won't be able to clean very much. They'd tell him because he wouldn't train any extra cleaning and he'd only do the bare minimum what they told him to do clean wise. And he was like, I just don't get it. Why wouldn't I just train every part of my body to be as strong as possible? And then I'll be really strong. And they're like, no, that's just not how it works. Well, then it would be time to come and clean and he would just blow everyone else out of the water. And he's like, see, I told you, if I'm just strong everywhere, why would I be strong in my whole body? Um, you know, and then the guys that just wanted to be good at cleans and that's all they worked and they didn't actually, you know, get, I know that's, you know, it's a small sample size or whatever, but it's kind of something that I found out, you know, make every single bit part of your body strong and, and you, you need strength training to do that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like I said, man, it's, it's, it's a function of staying healthy. Like, and that's something that I, I feel like so many people don't realize, man, if you, I mean, and of course you can't account for everything. Andrews happen. The strongest guy in the field can get hurt on any given play. Like, of course, I'm not going to deny that, but man, being strong keeps you healthy. I mean, not even on the field, you know, you, we have kids that, you know, you'll have two kids with the same injury, you know, whatever it may be, an ankle injury or a knee injury or a hip injury. And, you know, I'll talk, we have two full-time trainers who do a great job and I'll go talk to them and, you know, well, you know, this kid, God, he's, he's got a long road to road to come back. He just, he's, he's so weak. He's, he's done nothing but, you know, whatever, run track or, you know, play football, but he's never lifted. And it's going to be a long time to come back from this ACL. And then we got this, or, you know, whatever the injury is, and we got this kid who's been in the program for a couple of years and he's really sold out to the weight room. And, you know, he got the same injury, the ACL, whatever, man, like they tell you the best thing, the best thing he's got going for him, he's strong. Every muscle around that injury is incredibly solidified and it's just going to help bring that joint together back faster. And that's something that, just if people just understand that concept like people are so worried about blowing a knee out like you know or, yeah what, what, what if i blow a knee out whatever and they want to do all these little drills all these little hops and, and you know that's fine those are good <laughs> but but i mean You're putting, what's it's gonna, putting the cart it's just gonna, putting cart before the horse you know? exactly like, what, what's <laughs> going to tie that knee back together f- faster than anything or keep it keep it intact better than anything is a bunch of strong muscles around it. And that's just, that, that's, it, that's a really hard thing to get people to understand. But once they do, it's, it's so beneficial for them. It's one thing we did with our guys. And we just recently did it. And like I said, I mean, I, I had a chance to, to kind of go and, and delve into, you know, a lot of guys want to go clinic places and they want to go talk to the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. One of the first guys I always want to go talk to is the strength guy. Because, again, I think that's all – all the, the brains behind of what's going on, but we started, we just made ratios for our guys. So we take their squat max compared to their body weight, just as simple as that. You know, guys who are really relatively strong should be squatting at least two times their body weight, you know, and we're able to just kind of start grouping guys and then we could just educate them on like, dude, you, you can barely squat your body weight. You know, you're, you're a 1.25. You're not strong enough to do some of these other movements. And it gives those kids kind of a visual. It's like, holy cow, you know? And again, what, what are you telling them, okay? There's two directions you can go. You can lower your body weight, you're overweight, or you can get stronger. 
you know, how many, how many pull-ups can you do in relation to your body weight? I think it gives those kids a, right. a lot of visual, you know, how strong are you actually, you know, and it, 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 I think it's been a good eye opener for our guys. Cause now they're like, coach, I want to get out of that, you know, red group. <laughs> I want to get stronger. So that's been something we've done, but you know, it's just simple things like that. We've talked about nutrition, you know, and educating our guys on dude, you have to be strong period. You can't flex bone. All right. Amen. Yeah. That's, that's a great tactic, man. Uh, especially with that, with the, the, you know, the ratio, like, you know, as we all know, kids respond to numbers. Like that's why you have to test, you have to test on, you know, I mean, you don't have to, but that's why it's, I think it's very beneficial to test on squat and bench and clean 40, whatever. They love having that number. So that's, that's another great way to use it is that ratio that, Hey, you can only squat 1.25, you know, percent of your body weight and your buddy squats 2.35. Like, Oh damn, I'm probably pretty far behind. Um, you know, it's just, just another, you know, another, you know, number for them to try to chase the, you know, and of course, if you can get the the message behind it as well, that you know, this is going to come with improvements, your improvements on the field, and you know, improvements to your your health. All you can ask for. No doubt. Well, coach, we've we've kept you on here, you know, quite a while, an hour and twenty now. So, kind of wrapping it up. The last question I ask everybody is, um, and, and it's you know, football specific, but uh, you've watched a lot of football, and and you were an offensive lineman, so. When you're on on the sideline, you're watching another team, or, or on Saturdays and Sundays, even you're watching football. Um, what would an, a team's offensive line do that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? As a, as a former offensive lineman, the way they talk, and that's something I noticed. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of college football. Um, I watch not quite as much NFL as I used to, but I still watch the NFL. But I feel like you can tell a really good offensive line when you see him walking up the line. And, bef- I mean, the center's three, three steps from the ball, and he's already yelling. He's yelling right, he's yelling left. Um, you know, he's putting his hand on the ball. He's yelling again and yelling again. You see the, the right guard is saying something to the right tackle, the left tackle is saying something to the left guard. Um, if you, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Badger. You know, I was born in Wisconsin. My father coached at University of Wisconsin. Hell uh, yeah. That's something that – I feel like I, I've seen you. You, you kind of can count on that out of them. They're known for for the for the hogs, you know. Uh, but I feel like that's what you see out of a good old line is is you know every once in a while they'll pan to the center walking up, which you know most people means nothing to most people. But if you see him, if you see the center three yards from the ball already yelling right and left, I think you, you know you're you, you're probably dealing with a pretty good unit up front. Well, you talk about, you know, that culture of the offensive line at, at Wisconsin. Just a, a shout-out just to let any other coaches know, if you want to be a good offensive line coach, it really helps to have your strength coach be a former offensive line coach and your head coach <laughs> be a uh, 10-year NFL veteran offensive lineman. So if anyone gets that opportunity, I would definitely take that. And, and stay where you are because you're not going to find that anywhere else. No. I mean, it does. It, it really it. does build up that culture. I mean – um, when you, when your strength coach gets it about an offensive line and what makes those guys tick, and you know they're a little bit different of, of guys, but they make it a big deal to be an offensive lineman, and and they understand what that is. And then when your head coach is the same thing, understands it probably better than anybody. 
Uh, it makes it easier as easy as an offensive line coach, and I think it benefits the entire team. When you can have a strong offensive line that sets the tone for, for your uh, team, I think it, that's when, you know, that's some of the best teams that you see out there are either uh, a quarterback that's, that's the leader and it's, you know, the Tom Brady or the Aaron Rodgers of the group, or if you don't have that guy, it's three or four offensive linemen that everyone looks to and, and they set the tone for the team, you know, either way. But, um, you know, I think I, I obviously got lucky to come into that group. And then when Walls was there also um, to have it just be so important to our, our culture and our um, high school, really, to our offensive line. And I think that's what's helped our guys, um, you know, to be one of the better offensive lines in the state. Yeah, and, man, you know, our offensive line at BA, you know, I, I like to think that the way I feel, uh, kind of the, the silent leaders, you don't really notice until they're not there. And that's what, that's what we got at BA is a lot right now is a lot of silent leaders that are just – if if we, for whatever reason, had to remove our offensive line from offseason workouts and they had to work out independently, you know, I think in theory you wouldn't think it would make much of a difference, but I think – it would make a tremendous difference in our sessions because you know we got we got like five or six offensive linemen there. They don't they all kind of live together. They don't talk much. They're not they're not real vocal guys. But man, they work their freaking butts off every day. And I think if for whatever reason we had to remove them from the equation, I think it would be incredibly palpable like how different it felt. I mean, we got you talk about. Guys that set the tone that just show up, shut their freaking mouths, and they say, "Yes, sir. I'm gonna. You tell me to jump. I'm gonna say how high. You tell me to run. I'm gonna say how fast." And that's the kind of off the line what we got, and it's, I think it's incredibly noticeable during our workout. And that'll do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank our sponsors: Sideline Power, Powerlift, Sky Coach, and Team Attack Academy. Make sure and check those guys out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.